First things first. First, it's the DU General, Money B. I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not two and seven years. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. With your ancestors' favorite radio station. First, black on talk radio, left side of the nation. Me and Dominique the Prima go way back. Tired smiley, making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. We're Host of black and brown and others find unity So let's talk about it Maybe we can improve it Digital underground always down with the moon Come on. So we tune in the first things first with the queen of Black Talk Radio Dominique to Prima Go sis Good morning and God bless KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Dominique DePrima. The show is called First Things First. My first thing every single day, giving thanks, giving praises, asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors, the elders, of course, the community, and let's get it going. We have a lot to talk about. I know we all say it all the time, but it seems to get truer every single day. Hour one, we usually look local, what's going on around here, left coast, California, and all the coastal states. Hour two, we go national, international, and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest or a hot topic. Well, today is Mondays with the mayor. Uh, Mondays with the mayor, I should say mornings with the mayor and mayor. Karen Bass of Los Angeles will join us in the final hour uh, for the, that first block of the show. If you want to react to what she says, uh, Dr. Nicole Corte will be joining me and we will chop it up and analyze what was said. My partner in politics today will be joining me for hour two. Uh, Professor James Lance Taylor will be joining and we will look at what's going on globally. A lot of important things that may be getting overlooked as we are all so overwhelmed with what's going on in the Middle East. Of course, you're welcome in every hour, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Don't forget to connect with me on social media as well, KBLA 1580 on all of the platforms. I'm there. Hit me in the DMs if you got something to say off the record, on the record, chop it up. Please subscribe, like, and follow. You can find me at Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A, and then radio. And for all my friends in the YouTube chat room, I will be back soon. I'm broadcasting from on the road right now, looking forward to getting back to your comments, thoughts, and conversation. But let's keep it going on all the other platforms. All right, so it is also a Talking Point Tuesday. Feel free to help dismantle the things we say, the things we do, the things we repeat that don't make sense if you really break them down. Catchphrases, slogans, stereotypes that slide into our discourse and permeate our consciousness without us understanding 
the ways that we're undermining ourselves. Yesterday we were talking about self-hate and this idea of our responsibility and uplifting ourselves, emotional and spiritual maturity, moving away from blame, but at the same time being aware of the objective conditions, the root causes, and the systematized oppressions that we have to navigate, eradicate, overcome. When we talk about Talking Point Tuesday, these are things that we tell other people, sometimes we tell ourselves, and we just repeat them. It's almost like we're not being mindful in that space. We're just going on autopilot. And many times those things do not serve us or our community. And sometimes they mean something that we don't even realize they mean. And we're affirming something that undermines us. It's weird too, because when you get into the whole new, e new age piece, they often talk about how the subconscious mind doesn't know whether you're joking or whether you're serious. So it's like if you were to go around saying, I'm stupid all day, and you think it's funny, but you're programming yourself that you're stupid. And um, that, I think, applies with politics, with self-care, with our self-love or the elevation of black people, BIPOC people, women, folks that often receive messages that are subliminal or that are overt in the media, in literature, in the entertainment we consume that doesn't serve us, that actually goes against what is helpful for us. So I think uh, this is why we do Talking Point Tuesday. And that's what it is today. I like to start with that refresher for the brain whenever possible. I thought it was really sweet that the Compton High School marching band was out at the Hollywood Christmas Parade performing. It's the 91st annual that uh, took place Sunday. And the Compton High School band, their marching band, is well regarded. I mean, they've got awards, they've had all kinds of recognition, and they were featured in the show Ballers on HBO. But this is the first time that they have performed at the Hollywood Christmas Parade since 1960. So that's a beautiful thing. Congratulations going out to those children and the city of Compton for representing. And it is great to see the talent, the joy, the energy, the exuberance of our young people from South LA on display for the world in a way that's not simply, again, undermining and stereotyping these young people. Many times, especially teenagers, get it from both sides, right? They're getting it from the media, they're getting, especially local news where it's always all crime all the time. If it bleeds, it leads. We don't go into the high schools and colleges and try to find out all the great things young people are doing other than the occasional story about a young person who got into 5 million colleges. But just the quiet, everyday greatness of black children, Latina children, working class kids is not on display. So it's nice to see that. So they're getting it from outside, from the mainstream media, from entertainment, and then they get it at home. 
this is a talking point. I wish we would quit, especially black folks, but everybody. Young people today are a mess. Young people today need to be beaten. Young people today have no sense. They're terrible. They're going to hell in a handbasket, blah, 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 blah. I feel like that is a really bad case of talking point-itis where we are actually undermining, oppressing, and creating self-fulfilling prophecies for the children we claim to love, right? And it's another example of what I call convenient amnesia, right? Because we don't remember all the stuff we did when we were their age. And I know, well, I don't have that for whatever reason. Sometimes I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I know what I did as a teenager. And if my child was doing the things I did, I think I would lose it completely. And I believe that most of us aren't really honest with ourselves about how outside of the lines we were as children. Oh, I walked 500 miles in the snow. Well, if I talked to my mama like that, I would have got beat. Okay. But does that make it right? And how did that really impact you? Are we not to say anything bad about your mama or mine? Cause my, my mom was quick to, uh, give you a whooping. No qualms about it, which is funny. Cause as y'all know, my mother is white, well, Italian American. So that's one stereotype we can throw away when it comes to her. But like I always say, if we updated our parenting as often as we update our phones, we would be in much better shape as a community, as people. And so I want us to check ourselves. I know I'm doing it. When we hear ourselves repeating things that seem to belittle, to stereotype, and to paint in a bad light, to disparage our young people. Find another way to say it. Find a way that creates the uplift rather than the push down, because they're already getting pushed down enough by others. And I really think that is most important during the holiday season when folks are under pressure, family systems are doing what family systems do. And that pressure can lead to us yelling at, berating, you're not grateful, you're not this, you're not that. Well, according to modern science, the modern science of coaching, you're supposed to give seven compliments to a young person or someone you're trying to teach for every critique. And I know for sure I don't meet that bar. Do you? Seven compliments. Wow, I noticed you did that. This, that was great. Oh, I keep, I keep asking you to do so-and-so and it happened today. I love the way, the creative way you put together that outfit, that assignment, that whatever. Um, great how you were talking to your brother, your sister. I know it sounds, might sound like coddling to you, but we want to reinforce what we want rather than harping on what we don't want. So it gets big, bigger, bigger, bigger. And sometimes we teach our children that the only way they get attention or intense emotion from us is when they do wrong. And that when they do right, we don't pay it any mind. That's a kind of a personal talking point Tuesday, but I think it's 
part of this idea of getting past the childhood conditioning that is continuous going back to our enslavement. That's what Dr. Joy DeGruy talks about in post-traumatic slave syndrome. One of the things she talks about is the way things we learn from the slavery era are still present in our modern parenting and the way we deal with our own children. Perfect time to call me, 800-920-1580. I'm Dominique DePrima. You know that. We're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now, and I welcome you into the conversation, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580, anytime. Love to hear from you. Agree, disagree, or just want some fellowship and conversation. I am here for you. A very disturbing story in the Los Angeles Times today, talking about the porn star, I guess you could call him a star, um, Ron Jeremy, who was accused of rape by multiple women, people he had worked with in the porn industry, but also people he had interacted with at random. Many, many women came forward to tell their stories. And yet, at the last minute, it was revealed that he would probably never stand trial because he had dementia and the court said he was mentally incompetent. So now it's come out that he will be released to private custody. In other words, basically going home. And a lot of the victims are very angry as they should be. They're saying the guy has dementia, but now he won't stand trial. So even though they've put themselves at risk, exposed their trauma to the world, they will not see justice. He had been in a medical wing at Twin Towers in downtown LA, but now they're going to let him go to a private facility. And it's being revealed that this may not even have any real security. So dementia or no dementia, the guy could come out and rape someone. I mean, I don't know how that works because I'm not an expert in Alzheimer's or any of the dementia related diseases. But it seems to me that if that is your repeated behavior, uh, that it doesn't just stop because you have a disease that renders you mentally incompetent. And for me, it is really wrenching because I think about all of the political prisoners still inside the system from the Black Liberation Movement, from various liberation. When you think about like Leonard Peltier, for example, who has been in prison since the 70s, the longest held indigenous political prisoner in the United States, he's in terrible health. Why are you keeping him in prison, but you're letting rapists run around because he is having medical issues. It doesn't make any sense. And I feel like we know why that is, but 
I get that it's not the same system because you're talking about the county system, and, but it is the same philosophy that underpins our prison industrial complex and which seems to always have worse outcomes for people who are designated as not being white. And so I don't know what you do. What do you do? I guess you can't put a demented person in, in the court. You can't put them in prison if they haven't uh, technically been convicted, but they also shouldn't be free to just run around and keep raping people or make these women feel terrible because they have put their whole lives on the line for no justice. And again, what we were talking about yesterday pertaining to Diddy and R. Kelly and others, when you think about the many reasons why women, and in some cases men, do not come forward, it is precisely this. On top of the personal shame and risk and heartache of exposing yourself and your trauma, there's also the real threat that there could be no tangible result. Nobody goes to jail, nobody gets convicted, and yet you, the victim, will be vilified. Although I imagine it's probably less so in this case because we know the guy was a sex worker. So, but still, I just want us to process this in the way that we respond uh, when women come forward or when men come forward. Over the holiday weekend last week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three people were killed on Thursday by speeding drivers, people drunk, driving too fast, whatever they were doing. Apparently, according to the LAPD South Traffic Division, it is the deadliest Thanksgiving on record. Um, and this is something we talked about before too. Remember we were speaking on Malibu and those young ladies, the three young ladies that were killed by a driver there going fast. And I was happy to see this at least being covered. Terrible, terrible that it happened. But it happens more than we really think about in South LA, the hit and runs, people getting killed by folks going too fast on city streets. And I just gonna keep saying it, we gotta slow down. That's all there is to it. Obviously, if you're drunk, that's another layer why are you in a car? You should, at this point, it, you can get a Lyft or an Uber or rideshare anywhere. And that's the difference between you taking a life. It's also the difference between you ruining your own life, losing a job. So I don't know. It, it feels almost, you know, there's no point in saying it because people are going to do what they want to do. But I do believe that peer pressure and what we consider acceptable or the norm does play a role. And if we are ha ha ha, oh, you're high, you can drive, ha 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 ha, oh, you'll make it home. Or like one person I know who says, oh, I drive better when I smoke weed or whatever. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just think that you do, but you really don't. So keep your butt on the couch or take a ride share and if you're going to be late, like 
that's my main reason for speeding. I'm not out there driving drunk, but sometimes I'm supposed to be at 25 places in one day and I'm zipping around. That's not cool. Cancel a thing. Go late. I know that's terrible, but it's not as terrible as taking somebody's life. It's just not even in the same category. And in that moment, we're feeling impatient, um, et cetera, et cetera. But back to that emotional, spiritual maturity and being responsible for what we're doing. Um, on 18th and Figueroa, somebody was killed. Persons suspected of being drunk was going over a hundred miles an hour uh, and hit a car with three people inside of it, killing a 24-year-old mom who now has a five-year-old child who will be without a mama for the rest of their life. Um, same day, a drunk driver coming out of a liquor store on Western and 83rd crashes into a car and then hits a pedestrian, um, Alma Leticia Aragon. She was walking with her eight-year-old daughter. That child was in critical condition uh, on as of Friday. Not sure what the update is on that, but imagine you're eight and now your mom is gone and you're severely injured. And then on Western and 73rd, somebody was smoking weed, speeding, and struck and killed a homeless person as, as if that person, you know, didn't have enough misery in their life. We got to do better. We got to do better. I get it. It's LA. We drive fast. We have fast cars. We got stuff to do. We're all superstars. We're all busy, blah, blah, blah. We're trying to keep our lights on. We got three jobs. I get it. But proportionality is going to be key here. And this is a place where peer pressure uh, does make a difference. So this week, Governor Gavin Newsom will debate Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm sure it will be amusing, entertaining, and a great look for Governor Newsom, who is exponentially more educated, and I would venture to guess more charismatic than Mr. DeSantis, who's been really spiraling as far as his national profile, his standing in the Republican primary, etc. But I don't know. Does he really have time? Does the governor really have time to be prepping and doing all of the hoopla and research that you have to do to do what is basically a presidential debate? Even though Governor Newsom has not declared himself a candidate for 2024, now I'm hearing heavy rumors that our governor is considering it. Why? Because of the media constantly talking about Biden's problems with the polling showing that people think he's too old to be president again. But this is early, so maybe it's all brouhaha for nothing. I actually thought Newsom would run in 2028, but the rumor mill is saying no, that there are grumblings within the Democratic Party that it's time to get another candidate 
or we risk losing to he who shall not be named. News, traffic, and sports, then more on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Yeah, so much to cover. And you are invited in 800-920-1580. Speaking about dementia, it's one of those things that's spreading wildly. It's very scary. If you have loved ones, as I have had in the past, uh, my beloved mother-in-law had dementia. You realize how hard it is, how terrible it is, and how many American families and families worldwide are dealing with this. Now there's a study out of University of Cincinnati that says that eating berries can help reduce the risk of dementia for people, especially when you reach middle age. And it's very interesting because I don't know if you guys remember the doctor who came on the show talking about colon cancer and the rise of colon cancer among young black men, black men in their 20s and 30s, and how important it is to get those screenings. Well, he was saying that he eats a huge bowl of berries every single morning. So especially strawberries in this study, but blueberries, blackberries, they're low in sugar, high in fiber, and keep your body system moving and keep you from getting clogged up, keep you regular, right? But now we're finding out all of these other benefits that berries have. And one of them, according to this study published in the journal Nutrients, uh, found that people who had complained about having mild cognitive impairment were asked to stop eating berries. And the ones who stopped eating berries, um, you know, and received a placebo, one received powder berries, one received a placebo. They found that those in the group that had the strawberries performed better on learning tests and had also had a reduction in depressive symptoms. So there you go. Berries, berries for your booty, berries for your brain and berries for that bummer trip. All that just from a power packed uh, superfood that is actually kind of tasty. So up the berries, y'all, um, and don't end up like a sad, disgusting uh, Ron Jeremy. Not to say there's any link, because there's plenty of beautiful, wonderful people who are suffering from dementia, and it is such a fast-rising um, ailment, Alzheimer's and such, powerful work that Congresswoman Maxine Waters does around that issue, which is not discussed as much as you would think, considering the impact. Let's go to Fahima calling us from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Queen. Haberagani and Kay Pasha, Dominique, grand rising to you. I wanted to talk a little bit about dementia and maybe another topic if uh, I have time. The other topic will be about the article with Mary Prince and Rosalind Kennedy. Rosalind, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rosalind Carter. Um, I want to talk a little bit about dementia. Um, we and share an anecdote. I don't know if everyone remember the rapid, dec- well, the the long, painful decline of B. Smith, the restaurant tour. You know, when one has has dementia, you know, they need a lot of care, 
and yeah. they're not the person they, they originally were. I know I worked for um, Office of Aging a few years ago, and I had a client whose mother was a professional woman. However, she was declining and she had dementia, and apparently there were some issues between her and her mom, and it was really difficult to convey to the daughter because she had resentment towards her mother. The, the person that her mother was when she did those horrible things wasn't the person she was today. And what people don't necessarily understand, you know, the person that may ha- that person is long, no longer there. You may see shadows or whispers of them. Like going back to B. Smith, she was this uh, person who was just a phenomenal full of life restaurateur. I call um, Martha Stewart the white B. Smith. <laughs> but you, 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 you may recall, you know, her husband was, was actually vying for a, um, a reality television show with his new partner and B. Smith, but she wasn't the person that she originally was. And I think all too ha- often people necessarily forget, particularly, and, and I'm not defending that porn star in California in no ways, but he is in decline, I'm sure, and those folks need um, care in terms of being able to function because they're not the persons they originally were. I mean, I I hear what you're saying, and I, I have read that, although I don't have the personal experience with it, but it's also unpredictable, right? I mean, that guy can snap and rape somebody. I don't know. And the other thing is, like, I think about all of the imprisoned people that need care, medical care, that aren't getting it. Why is this Ron Jeremy getting the royal treatment? Oh, no, I'm not condoning him. I'm not even commenting on him. I'm just saying that and and, and many of our political prisoners should get compassionate relief because they're in decline, but people like Leonard Peltier. And then I just wanted to mention uh, Rosalind uh, Carter and her taking a very courageous position to hire. Um, I, I sent you the information about this woman who was a, who was wrongfully an exonerator of murder. And she actually was hired. She was, well, Rosalind Carter befriended her and she was the white house nanny and cared for their daughter, which I thought was a very courageous stand. And they were very progressive. Um, Jimmy Carter wrote the book, Palestine, Peace and Not Apartheid. He's the only United States president that took a position on what is going on in uh, Gaza with respect to the Palestinian people. And took a lot of heat for it, too, by the way. I mean, to be a former president. Even now, on uh, Halloween, the Carter Center called for the release of all of the hostages and also called for a ceasefire in Gaza, which is not what most politicians are doing right now. So, yeah, very courageous on that. Well, thank you for allowing me to share those two points. Um, and I'll continue to listen, Dominique. All right, Fahima, appreciate you. And all of the articles and such that you're always sending. And that is a really good example of Rosalind Carter, the way she walked the walk and didn't just talk the talk many times as politicians or professional talkers, it's easy to just talk about a thing, but not embody it. And so to hire a a formerly 
incarcerated person, a system involved person, not to be your gardener or whatever, but to actually care for your own child. That's what I call walking the walk. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that in hour two. Um, the homegoing of, of Rosalind Carter, the former first lady who was really quite groundbreaking in the sense of modernizing the role of the first lady, which is a sort of weird nebulous job with no pay and no actual duties that people have largely considered ornamental except for a few notable exceptions. And Rosalind Carter kind of broke the mold with that. I think Michelle Obama broke the mold simply by doing it with incredible grace and class and doing it while black, right? First ladying while black, more than a notion. She probably couldn't take the bold stances of a Rosalind Carter or a Hillary Clinton or an Eleanor Roosevelt because she was first ladying while black, but she managed to still make important contributions politically. I mean, even when you're what might be lunches or eat more berries, it had to work within the lane of being the first black first lady of the United States. But when you look at Rosalind Carter, without her, there is no Hillary Clinton. There is no um, activist first lady or very involved first lady. Well, you can make the case um, that there have been some before, but certainly she took it to the next level. And I think that's one of the reasons why you'll see Melania and Hillary both at the funeral. I don't think there's too many other places in the post-Trump presidency era where we'd see them both together. Of course, before he ran for president, when he was donating to Democratic candidates, they would spend plenty of time together and there are receipts. Love to hear from you. Fahima called 800-920-1580. You can do the same. I'm Dominique Deprima, and this is KVLA Talk 1580. A safe place to go loud. loud. A great place for progressive politics. KVLA Talk 1580. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive. KVLA Talk 1580. And it is a mornings with the mayor day around here, meaning we will be talking with Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass at uh, the top of the third hour of the show. Looking forward to that. We're doing it once a month around here. Just getting that in-depth look at what's going on around our city, which is really um, an innovator and a leader on the national scene as well. So looking forward to that conversation. It's a great time to call me, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. So apparently somebody, this guy, El Chapo's son, this guy, El Mago, which is which means the magician, wasn't too magical. He was shot dead in L.A. And apparently this is, um, this guy was like the main distributor of weed for a cartel here in Los Angeles. It just goes to show you that I like to think of the Mexican drug cartels and all of that violence as being far away or maybe 
sort of semi-fictional, but it actually does uh, touch us in ways that we may not be seeing. A second man was also gunned down there. They were found dead, so apparently we don't know the full story. Um, and a third guy was shot and survived and is going to make it. Just so much going on in the streets of Los Angeles. A big fire in South LA um, in this morning. You know, it started on a construction site, spread to a couple nearby homes, but apparently this is on South Lima Street. Fire department says those families will be able to move back into their homes and there are no injuries. So that's a blessing. The cause of that fire under investigation, um, but no injuries and folks get to move back in later today. That's a win all around. All right, let's go to Tasha calling us from Los Angeles. Good morning, Tasha. It's actually Lasha, but it's like Tasha. Oh, Lasha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Never heard that. Hi, Lasha. Hi. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, I nice just want to say hi to Fatima. Um, she's actually a friend of my father's who he's been recommending me to, but I wanted to call because he put this station on the radio while my daughter is getting ready for school. And it struck me because, um, I knew Ron Jeremy. I know. Mm. And, um, I started out in the adult industry when I was 18 years old. I'm 46 now. Um, and he was pervy <laughs> when I met him. Um, I was listening to your commentary about what was going on, and I knew I've been following the story. I've worked with a lot of nonprofits in the adult entertainment industry, um, helping those who want to get out and those who are interested in staying in and doing it the right way for themselves. Um, this man is a minute. Um, I do not agree with the fact that he will be most likely not receiving any jail time because of dementia. Um, it hurts my heart. It really does. It hurts my heart a little bit because even in prison, if he was to go to prison, the men in prison would not be abusing him. <laughs> they would look at him mm. as a hero. They would. They would That's interesting. You're hero. probably right. Yeah. He, he is the epitome of the incel movement and the losers getting the hot girl. Mm. Wow. That's an I... interesting take, Lasha. And you know what, what you're saying is resonating with me and I'm glad you called because I don't mean to put out there that I'm judging all sex workers or that porn is terrible or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I'm, what I'm addressing when I call him disgusting is the predator, the rapist, uh, the slime ball who abuses his position of authority and power to prey upon people who are trying to make a living however they're doing it. Absolutely. And he's part of a bigger movement. You know, there are men behind him that are okay with all of this. And this is one of the things that those of us who are doing nonprofit work in the adult industry sphere are fighting against. Right. What, what are the misperceptions, Lasha, that we should 
disabuse ourselves of when it comes to that industry. I mean, you've worked in it and you've worked outside of it. And I know that this is one area where there's a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's a lot of misinformation when it comes to this industry. Yes, there are a lot of women and people and persons that are working this industry to get out of bad situations and they look like they look to it as easy money. But this is work. This is a job and we should be treated as such. Persons of color, persons that are female presenting and, and all of us in here are susceptible to abuse. But the biggest misconception with it is the fact that we're doing it under duress. That is mm. the biggest misconception for me, is that we're doing it under duress. A lot of us um, have issues like mental health and things like that that do not allow us to um, participate in normal everyday society and go to nine-to-five jo nine jobs Um we, we don't have the capacity to sit there and deal with the public on a daily basis. So what we do is we take our strengths, is what most people do, and we try to harness them and make a living based on what we're able to contribute to society. Maybe that's our pretty face. Maybe that's the foot. You know what I mean? We're, we're yeah. trying. And, and those things, people shouldn't feel necessarily bad for us or pity us. Because we, mm. we step into that fear, that fear, it's no different than going into working fast food or, or, or something that's listed. Well, I feel like sorry for folks who get stuck working fast food for long, long periods. But I understand what you're saying. I think one of the reasons I may have had that perception is I used to be on the board of this organization called My Friend's Place in Hollywood. And that's where I learned that many young people, children really, who arrive in LA with big dreams at those Greyhound stations end up getting recruited into the pornography industry and they're not even adults. They do. And they're not aware. And, and there's a, and that's one of the things like we, if, if these things in, in the adult industry were better cared for, if, if these beings were better cared for in the adult industry, most people wouldn't have, many bad things to say but there right. are a lot of pressures out there 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 very much are yeah well i'm really glad you called because i think it is important to make that distinction people are that's a job for people people are going to work some folks are choosing that for various reasons and we should respect them as workers and distinguish between the predatory behavior when i talk about my friend's place that is a nonprofit agency that helps houseless teenagers in Hollywood. And that's where I learned that many of those teenagers have been kicked out of their own homes because of their sexual orientation or any, any other number of reasons why end up in Hollywood and get preyed upon by these folks in the industry. That being distinct from people who choose it for any number of reasons that you just shared with us. A lot of other resources, too. I'm glad that you mentioned that. There's also um, Strippers United. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Strippers United. There's BIPOC, um, which is um, a, a black female-led organization for um, people in the adult industry uh, community. There is... Um, 
Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. It's so early. <laughs> I'm trying to I, I get it. Well, look, Lasha, I hope you'll call me again. And it's really interesting talking with you and getting perspective on an area that a lot of us just really don't know a lot about, even though the consumption of porn is likely at an all-time high. I haven't seen data, but from what I hear from parents, from families, from the huge profits of Pornhub and OnlyFans, I assume we're at an all-time high for porn consumption. It's very, it's huge, especially because we're not informing our children on our own about what sex is. They're getting education from online sources. So there needs to be, and there is in the work, places where people can go to inform their children about what sex is and how to um, participate in a positive manner in a way that values yourself and those around you, and, and especially when it comes to consent. But thank you for bringing that up because it is a, a big thing. And Ron Jeremy, is it, 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 this is a, a topic that is going to be a problem in our community for a while. Yeah. Thank you, Lasha. Great to talk with you. Lasha called 800-920-1580. You can do the same. News, traffic, and sports and conversation. KBLA Talk 1580.